Welcome to this month's episode, Passport to Sustainable Travel. We're talking sustainable travel, and I am super excited to have two incredible speakers with us today, Diana and Steph, uh, two experts telling us all about sustainability. Diana, tell us about you first. I am the co-founder and CEO of Positive Luxury. And uh, what we do is we connect luxury brands with luxury consumers that care about sustainability through the Butterfly Mark, which is an interactive seal um, that uh, you can see uh, at the point of sales of companies. And when you click as a consumer, you can actually discover what brands uh, do regarding social good and environmental responsibility. Can you tell me about the inspiration behind the name, the Butterfly Mark? And I believe there was an encounter with David Attenborough. Yes, actually, that is correct. Um, so I gave David Attenborough um, his Lifetime Achievement Award uh, probably about nine or ten years ago. And um, I was sitting right next to him sharing my absolutely appalling knowledge uh, of uh, the natural world in which I was corrected very quickly. Mm-hmm. And somehow we got into butterflies and he told me the story of the British Blue, uh, which was extinct in the, uh, the 80s, a combination of hunted to extinctions plus a disease. And it's the most successful insect reintroduction ever done. And basically, I don't know scientifically how it works, but you get the DNA of a butterfly, put it on an ant, and this was brought back to the British Isles. And now you have, you can see the British Blue in 30 different locations across the British Isles. So when I was thinking about, you know, uh, positive luxury and what can represent, I thought it has to be a butterfly because it represents the fragility of our world. But most importantly, what it represents to me is the fact that together we can actually hunt a, a species to extinction or actually bring it back to life. And I think that uh, it's a lot to say about the power of people working together. That's really beautiful and incredibly symbolic. Thank you for that. So I represent Intrepid Travel. Um, So Intrepid are small group uh, adventure tour operators. We specialise in sustainable, experience-rich travel, um, operating over a thousand itineraries across the globe, and we're now a seven-continent operator. Uh, My role there is actually I'm a product manager, so um, I think I've got one of the best jobs in the company. I'm sure everyone says that. Um, But uh, as part of my role... um, I decide which trips we offer to our customers um, and support the team in designing the itineraries we offer. That's really exciting. Do you get to try them as well? Now and again. That's (laughs) the job. Amazing. (laughs) Um, I guess the biggest first question to ask is what is sustainability or what does sustainable travel actually mean to you? Diana? Um, I will take the first part of the question, which is what does sustainability mean? And uh, there is not... uh, a random definition. There is actually a, a, a definition of sustainability was, which was coined by Harlan Brundtland back in 1980s at the Geneva Convention, and she coined the term sustainable development as um, meeting the needs of today without compromising the needs of future generations, and that is the purest definition of sustainability. So when you think about it, it's about how do you conduct your business today with the minimum impact in the environment and biodiversity and the maximum impact on society. So really kind of doing good is the norm of the business. That's a really nice way of looking at it. So if you think about that in your daily life, you know how to live your life. Is this, it's a really lovely definition of it. 
Not mine, but thank you. <laughs> Thanks for educating us with that. <laughs> Steph, what about you? What um, does it mean to you? Similarly, I'm, I've seen that quote before, um, and it you know, really struck home with me, meeting the needs of the present um, without compromising the ability of, um, for future generations to meet their own needs. I suppose in the context of travel, minimising uh, the negative impacts, but also uh, enhancing the positive benefits, so whether that's... Um, helping local communities, um, helping the environment, those sorts of things. Diana, you said in a previous interview, sustainability has become a dirty word. Why do you say that? Why did you say that? I think it's because people don't understand what it actually means. Uh, it's too wide. So, um, and it has not been sexy enough traditionally. I mean, I've been working in this field for the last 20 years. I set up my first company uh, doing a, it was a sustainability consultancy in 2002. So with this accent, imagine when, what it was like when I was caught, talk, talking to companies and said, oh, do you have a sustainable development strategy? They thought I was insane. And they didn't only understand the concept or how, what are the steps? How do you even engage with this idea? Absolutely. Um, fast forward to today, I mean, finally, everybody's talking about it, but still... People don't really understand what it means. And the reality is like when you take about the, the wide definition, it means so many things. So this people, planet, profit is the, the ingredients of how a company becomes sustainable over time, economically and environmentally and, of course, socially. And I think it's a dirty word because of this misunderstanding of what it means. So everybody that, for example, doesn't have fair is sustainable. It's like, well, actually, not so fast. And I think today sustainability is about leadership is about how the CEO of the company see the world for the next 100 years in order to take the shareholders and everybody in the organization to really invest in this new world of, of, of seeing the world which is in this positive impact. So this starts from top down so we're talking CEOs so what we can come to later is how can how can people who aren't CEOs or on their way there find ways of incorporating it in their travel and in their daily life? Steph, how does Intrepid incorporate sustainability into the packages that you put together or the travels yeah. or as a company? Yeah, I suppose with great travel experiences also come great responsibilities. Um, and I agree with your point there that um, CEOs of businesses, you know, it's very important to, to take, a, take a view of that. But also, I think it is broader than that in that various different stakeholders, whether you're the CEO of a business or um, a member of the government or you, you're part of a local authority or you're just a consumer and, and travelling, we all play our part in ensuring um, there are options for sustainable travel. Um, and so for Intrepid, um, the various things that we, that we integrate into our packages to ensure that our travel experiences are as sustainable as possible. So that may be from using public transport is a really critical component um, of uh, our, our way of getting from A to B. Instead of using taxis, for example. Exactly, okay. exactly. So it might be trains, it may be public buses, and often you can get some fantastic local experiences from just mingling and having uh, sign language conversations in, or trying to use a few bits of pidgin Spanish or that kind of thing as, mm -hmm. you're, as you're going along. Um, we also, the, the accommodation we use um, is very important, that we use small family-owned and run properties um, to ensure that the money really stays in the local economy there. We encourage our travellers to travel responsibly, so that may be when they're out purchasing, getting some souvenirs, trying to seek out some um, locally um, sourced uh, souvenirs to take home rather than things that have been imported from various different destinations. 
that's really interesting. Um, and I actually think that that movement of travel, the way what people are looking for, that dreaded word, but so important word, authentic. It's the authentic experiences that people actually long for and, and want. So, you know, there's this whole question about you eat healthier, it's more expensive. Now you travel more sustainably. Is it costlier? Is it more expensive? I mean, uh, Steph? it can be. I mean, uh, if you take the example that um, you're traveling to a European destination from here, maybe you take a low cost carrier or you take a flight um, over to over to the continent. Um, there are alternatives to that, um, traveling via Eurostar, for instance, maybe take a bit longer, it might cost a bit more, but the experience is a bit more sustainable. So it can be, but also it really doesn't have to be either. Deanna, we got some three small ways of incorporating sustainability into travel from Steph. Do you have any other tips? Hotels can actually look at how they run their operations. So, for example, if you are in a city hotel, it's very different from what staying in a like a hotel that is in the countryside or even in the beach. So do you actually need your linen change on a city hotel every night? Perhaps not. So um, maybe ask your guest where that is something that you might want. Uh, if you are in a more human environment and so on, then probably perhaps understandable. But not necessarily every single hotel have to be run in the same way. Location is really rather important. Also, there is a standards like leading hotels of the world and stuff that absolutely must be updated. They are so archaic in terms of, you know, taking away, for example, all the amenities before they are finished mm -hmm. or, for example, having the towels, uh, you know, change X number of times a day without actually being used. I mean, all of these needs to be mindful. So the standards that we used to have when we were perhaps not so knowledgeable about our impact as a guest, um, of course, but you can have a, a luxury experience um, without compromising the impact in the environment and being a lot more mindful. There's so many things that you can do as a guest that actually think about the person that is coming behind you. So if you don't need to use it, don't use it because that is a different way of saving it. Mm. And you will do that at home, so why not do it in a hotel? So I think that we need to be, as individuals, perhaps a little bit more conscious of our actions and actually help hotels for to help everyone to be a little bit more sustainable. Thank you, that's really helpful. I actually read that one of the biggest wastages, which is in hotels, is the amenities, or are the amenities. You know, all those soaps which are just removed, discarded so quickly, um, it's such a huge amount of wastage. Are there any factors that would make you rule out visiting a country? Steph? Um, for a start, it would need to be safe, safe as safe can be. So according to the Foreign Office advisories, for instance, from a personal point of view, something particularly close to my heart is not supporting discrimination. So at the same time, I think travel can be a force for good and actually having those cultural exchanges um, helps us to become less prejudiced and educates in a way. Okay, this is, a, this is a tough question, but what are the top three most sustainable countries? Switzerland, France, Denmark. Yeah, but, but Costa Rica is... So one of the most sustainable countries from a policy perspective is Costa Rica. Yeah. I mean, the investment that Costa Rica is having regarding protection and, and restoration of biodiversity and the impact that it has in the world, that is 
absolutely phenomenal. And of course, the the kind of the gap between you know wealth and and not so wealthy in Costa Rica is wider than, for example, in Switzerland, mm-hmm. which also is uh, is one of the most sustainable countries in the world. But but the wealth over there is much much bigger mm-hmm. and uh, there are systems and policies i mean they're slightly different from the rest but um from a sustainability point of view in terms of the impact the wider impact in the world not just the local communities i think costa rica is definitely an example mm-hmm. in fact costa rica is one of the first countries that has committed to preserve 30% of the world by thir- uh, 2030 mm-hmm. which is incredibly inspiring yeah. Uh, Steph, you mentioned three other countries. Um, yes, I'd, I'd read that it was uh, Switzerland, France and Denmark, and I think there are all sorts of different factors that are taken into account when um, producing this index. Um, we've actually worked fairly closely with the Swiss Tourist Board recently to introduce a new product in Switzerland, and they actually approached us because of the, um, the way that we get around, the way that we travel lends itself really well um, well, Switzerland and, and the, the train network, there, mm. the fabulous train network, network um, lends itself really well to the way we get around. When it comes to France, um, I mean, there are great examples of um, French Alpine towns of really traditionally got ski centres and snowboarding centres and now have sort of a summer trade and encouraging um, local uh, suppliers and activity providers to cater for the summer trade. Mountain biking routes have popped up and all sorts um, and when it comes to Denmark, I know they've got some really quite um, ambitious targets for um, for becoming carbon neutral, I believe, by 2025, um, which yeah, is a big fabulous. task. Yeah. There's a lot of countries that depend hugely on tourism, but they don't necessarily have the infrastructure to, to, to sustain this number of visitors. In your opinion, is there a middle ground for an issue like this? Can you... S- Iceland, perhaps, is a good recent example. Um, in 2017, the the growth uh, in tourism arrivals in Iceland, I believe, was at 24% and had been growing really steadily since about 2013, or even actually be- slightly before then, after the volcanic eruption there and the, the financial banking crisis um, made it a lot more affordable to travel. And so they've seen this enormous growth and really have been struggling to um, to cope with the the amount of arrivals that they're seeing there, um, to the extent that the infrastructure simply uh, couldn't withhold this. Couldn't withhold it, it or partic- long term, particularly around Reykjavik, where all the arrivals come in. This boom seems now to be over, and I I read that the 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 tourism board is hoping for around four four to five percent growth over the next few years, just so it's more manageable and sort of service industry can and and uh, infrastructure can kind of keep up. I mean, absolutely. I think there's been a, a, a huge amount of, of um, interest in places like Antarctica and so on. And that is incredibly exciting. But at the same time, when you think about um, going to places that you really want to see and they are so uh, remote, sometimes it's best not to. And I know this sounds quite silly, but I think the fragility of our planet uh, is about you know allowing nature to to really replenish itself so i mean i talk from a much more macroeconomic perspective but if you think about the damage that humans do in the world from a footprint perspective sometimes it's best that some places to leave them alone uh, in order to actually you know run its course 
and watching Discovery Channel in a way. Do you think tourism can ever really be sustainable? I personally... <laughs> Steph, you're wildly shaking your head. No, sorry, Deanna, you're wildly shaking your head. I think tourism as a nature is about, you know, kind of the moving of people around the planet. So, no, I don't think it's in the, in the actual definition of it can be sustainable, but it can be positive. Basically, for what Stephanie just said, which is really the, um, the growth of local communities, the ability to, uh, you know, kind of have this impact of money into the country that allows development and that is really positive um, because maybe might not be sustainable in the actual you know definition of it but you will have a lot more equality and you know areas will prosper a lot faster and that is as important as you know having a great pristine uh, environment from a from a environmental perspective. So that leads me to my next question. Do you think people have a responsibility to do an amount of research or a moral obligation for the countries that they're visiting and you know checking out their sustainable practice? Yes, and that may be just some really simple things such as um, learning a few words of the local language so you're able to converse with... Uh, with. Does that count as sustainability? I think so. Just in terms of the exchange of information, uh, it makes things a lot more easy to, to converse um, if you're able to to kind of get by and, and communicate. I was in a actually a local homestay in Cuba uh, a couple of years ago um, and trying to use my small uh, few fractions of phrases in Spanish uh, with the homestay host there. We managed to, I don't know how we managed to do it, but we managed to have a, a really lovely commu- um, conversation. Um, and actually that was one of the highlights of the trip, the interaction with the homestay hosts. And because it's a highlight on the trip, we integrate it into itineraries. And because we integrate it into itineraries, it means that those families have got um, income coming in from, mm. you know, from tourism. All right. So the knock-on effect of integrating and making that effort, speaking the local language, you'll experience and learn so much more. Exactly. I and mean, it goes all, all the yeah, way down. All the, the way line. down. Yeah. What do you think, Diana? Yeah, I mean, I think integrated with the locals is really important in terms of like, you know, buying local food, you know, understanding like the local markets and, you know, kind of getting into the under the skin of of the country. That is really important. And also being respectful and mindful of your environment. So don't do in a foreign country. Why would you not do at home? You know, maybe sometimes it's tempting, but actually respect that is also really important. And I think there is something to be said about business travel. I don't think that we need to travel on business as much as we actually do. Sometimes, of course, a face-to-face conversation is really important. But with technology today, some of that business travel can be cut right back. So talking about plane travel, which of course is hugely unsustainable, um, what's your take on carbon offsetting? Is it a clever con? Do you think it can actually improve the impact of the environment? What do you think about all of this? So carbon offsetting... Uh, I'm not a fan particularly because obviously is is uh, you do the deed and then you say I'm sorry. Yeah, so exactly. but it is better to offset on something that is meaningful that actually not. So for example, you know, if you do plant trees or, or whatever you do, uh, that mitigates some of that impact. But actually it's better to think before you, you do it. At an intrepid we we have a three step policy measuring um, the, the carbon that we um, that we use on trips. So we've been a carbon neutral company since 2010. We're hoping to become climate positive 
okay. uh, in the near future. And so the three steps is measuring the amount of carbon that we use on, on trips. The second step is seeing how we can reduce that. And the third step is offsetting. And we have various mm. projects around, um, around the world. Now, I'm a sucker for this, and I'm sure a bunch of people are. I love luxury travel. Can sustainable, can, can, can sustainable travel be luxurious? Absolutely. In fact, um, luxury has a responsibility to make travel uh, sustainable. And that is the way that the hotel is run, is looking at, you know, locality in, in terms of how it's grown, like, for example, the food. And I think luxury hotels has a lot more margins and power um, in order to actually make those experiences, you know, much more sustainable. Um, so I think a lot of, in fact, it's not. I don't. It's not that I think I've seen how luxury hotels are really looking at sustainability as one of their differentiation points. So, for example, the Set Hotels, which is Cafe Royale and Hotel Laetitia in uh, France and so on, or the Peninsula Group, they are really looking into how they make not just the stay but the food, how it's sourced, where it's sourced. Um, the the building and their operation how is it run you know starting again starting from the top to bottom living breathing everything sustainability and enjoying it there's a there's a pleasure to be found in that steph you told me the other day that intrepid has a b corp certification that's the first time i've heard of this but i i was reading about it and i know from the fashion brands you've got ones like toms and Allbirds and brands like this which have now and they've got they've got a whole new platform of Of, of brands which have this B Corp. You said that Intrepid has it. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, that's right. Uh, B Corp or Benefit Corporations, um, they are businesses that balance purpose with profit. Um, so as a B Corp, we're legally required to consider the impact of our decisions on various stakeholders in the business. So um, through from our workers to our, to our customers, to suppliers, to the community, Um, and the vision really with B Corps is to use business as a force for good. Um, so it's, an, it's a huge um, process to go through to become B Corp accredited. It's a process that we thought might take us three months um, uh, in the auditing phase. actually took us three years. Diana, you've got Positive Week coming up. Tell us about that. So Positive Week is the eighth year this year and we've got... Um, three events, uh, one in London, which is a discovery trail, so people can go and uh, look at our website and look at which events we have coming up and they can discover what brands are doing um, from a sustainability perspective. So for example, uh, you can go to a genealogy masterclass with Stephen Webster, or you could go and um, discover why diamonds are good uh, at the NED, for example, mm-hmm. etc. And then in, Le- in um, France, in Paris, we've got a breakfast and we have a fantastic panel, um, including president of Crook Champagne, uh, LVMH, Sylvie Bernard, the head of environment, uh, the CEO of Smyson, uh, the head of marketing of IWC. So um, these guys are really open uh, to share about the journey to sustainability because this is not a destination. It's really a journey and never ends. It's like constant improvements. As technology and in- innovation kind of grows, this will kind of carry on improving. That's super. That sounds incredible. And we're a media partner, so I'm very excited about that. Um, I'm going to ask you both about your favorite holiday destination. Sure. Um, so topically, I actually went to Venice earlier on this month um, and had an absolutely wonderful time there. 
of course, is Venice. Um, (laughs) uh, It's had an awful lot of press over the last few um, years, really, with um, over-tourism, over-crowding being a popular word used in the media um, to describe the the numbers of people um, um, visiting Venice um, and sort of the the impact that um, cruise ships have had in particular um, and the locals feeling about that. So I was really interested to go there during the height of summer, which is not something I've done before, been there a few times. I decided to take an urban adventure, which is a sister company to, to Intrepid, and they're sort of like in, Intrepid travel day trips. We actually met our local guide um, a few streets back from the main thoroughfare, and she was an absolute fountain of knowledge from a, a local's point of view, um, telling us how we can get away from the crowds, even just going a few seat, uh, streets away from this main thoroughfare. It's incredible to see that, you know, streets deserted almost. She was taking us on a local modes of transport, so uh, on a traghetto, which is a, a small sort of gondola-type um, vessel with two gondoliers at one at either end to cross the Grand Canal, which was a great experience. Got some fantastic pictures from the water there. Um, and then trying some um, local bars in the back streets um, away from the tourist crowds um, where they would serve chiquetti, which is more sort of finger food with some wine, locally produced Prosecco's just on the doorstep. Um, Valpolicella is really not really very nice. far away either. Brilliant experience. Diana? I think I love the, being outdoors and with nature. So probably my favourite destination has been France because you can do everything. You can go mountain biking, you can go surfing, you can go walking, you can go wine tasting. It's awesome. Uh, so I really, I really enjoy that. Thank you both very much. There's a lot to learn from that. And I think going, you know, going to hotels, going to travel, wherever we go, it's integrating. It's, it's making the most of the environment that you're within and respecting that. So that's, these are small and easy steps that anyone can really take. And hopefully that impact is on a wide scale big enough. So we're going to go to our quick fire round. Diana, I'm going to start with quick fire travel questions for you. Long haul or short haul? Short haul. Economy or business? I don't mind. I'm so short. (laughs) I love that. Cabin luggage or checked in luggage? Definitely cabin luggage. Boat or airplane? Airplane. Um, Actually, people don't yet know what is the impact of ships. Uh, from a biodiversity perspective. That's really interesting. Train or car? Uh, probably train. Weekend getaway or a 10-day break? Uh, weekends, always. A three-day would be better. City or country break? Country. Eco-lodge or apartment? Eco-lodge. Apartment or hotel? Apartment. Hotel chain or boutique? Boutique. Always. Pre-planned tours or local recommendations? Local recommendations, always. I love it. That's how to travel sustainably. Steph, ready for this? We're going to go countries. Cuba or Mexico? Cuba. Spain or France? France. Italy or Portugal? Italy. Malta or Greece? Greece. Sweden or Iceland? Sweden. Australia or New Zealand? Australia. Bora Bora or Hawaii? Ah, Hawaii. China or Japan? Japan. Morocco or Egypt? Morocco. Tunisia or Turkey? Turkey. Scotland or Ireland? Scotland. Switzerland or Russia? Switzerland. Have you been to all of these countries? A uh, fair few of them. That's pretty good. I'm coming with you. On <laughs> Thank you both. Um, why don't you share your social media handles so we know where to keep up to date? So we're on Twitter at intrepid underscore travel. We're on Instagram at intrepid travel. 
We're on Facebook Intrepid Travel and surprise, surprise, LinkedIn Intrepid Travel. So if you look us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and or LinkedIn is Positive Luxury. Thank you both very much. Thank you so much for listening. If you've missed the previous podcasts, check online or iTunes and you can listen to all our previous ones. You can also check the website www.citizen-fem.com for all your upcoming travel inspiration.